Hello and welcome to the Legal Room UK podcast. I am Nicola O'Dwyer, a senior solicitor in the employment team. This is the next in a series from the employment team called All in a Day's Work. In this episode, we are focusing on performance management and I am joined by my colleague, Alex Harper, who is a solicitor in the employment team. Thanks, Nicola. So tell me, Alex, should you have a capability policy for managing employee performance? Yes, every employer should have a written procedure which sets out how it will deal with poor performance. Uh, The policy might ultimately feed into disciplinary procedures, um, which can overlap with the policy for poor performance. And of course, Nicola, you've discussed the disciplinary procedure at length in a previous podcast, so I won't repeat that content here. It's important to note that employers must follow the ACAS code when undertaking any formal capability process. And so it is sensible to ensure that any policy aligns with the ACAS code of practice. An employer's policy should also confirm that the aim of the capability procedure is to to both address an employer's concerns, but also consider ways in which the employee and the employer can work together to improve the employee's performance. As part of the policy, an employee should be encouraged to ask for additional assistance, training or changes that they feel might assist them in improving their performance. So what does a best practice performance management process look like, Alex? As you can imagine, Nicola, there are quite a few stages to a performance management process. So I'll take you through each stage one by one. The first stage is an initial assessment or an investigation into the employee's performance. So you might want to see as part of that process whether an employee's performance can be managed informally uh, just as part of their day-to-day line management. At that stage, you may also want to review an employee's personnel file, including looking at their appraisal and other work-related documents to gain insight into their performance. You might also want to monitor their work or potentially interview the employee or other colleagues to assess performance. Of course, if you speak to the employee or their colleagues about the employee's performance, you will want to ensure that this is done confidentially. The second stage will be commencing a formal action under your capability process. That will normally start with writing to the employee to confirm what your concerns are about their performance, the reasons for your concerns, and what the likely outcomes may be if the employee's performance does not improve. You'll then want to invite them to a capability meeting. Uh, This is usually conducted by a line manager, someone more senior than the employee's line manager. The purpose of the meeting is to set out the standard expected by the employer and examine the evidence which suggests that the employee has not been able to meet that standard. It's important that the employer allows the employee to ask questions at the meeting and also to respond to the evidence that is put forward to them and that the employer tries to establish the reasons for the employee's poor performance. At that meeting, you'll then want to set agreed targets for improvement and a timescale for reviewing those targets. These could be set out in a document that many of you will be familiar with, which is called a performance improvement plan. It's important to note that the employee has a right to be accompanied at this meeting and they should be offered that opportunity when you invite them to attend. After the meeting, any agreed performance improvement plans or outcomes of the meeting should be confirmed to the employee in writing as soon as possible. So Alex, what do you have to do if the employee's performance does not improve? At that stage, Nicola, you might want to consider hosting a further capability meeting. This will follow the same process that I've just discussed. 
As a result of that meeting, the employer may decide to issue a written warning or, in the alternative, commence another period of reviewed performance. If at a later stage the employee's performance still has not improved, then the employer could look at issuing a final written warning with targets and timescales for improvement. Ultimately, if at the final written warning stage the employee continues to fail to improve, the employer may then look to further action up to and including dismissal if appropriate. Okay, so if the employee is actually dismissed for performance, do they have a right to appeal the decision? Yes, Nicola, the employee does have a right to appeal the decision to dismiss. It should be noted, however, that they also have a right to appeal any decision that has been made um, as it relates to a written warning, whether that be final or otherwise. It's important for employers to note that when they're communicating the outcome of a capability hearing to to an employee, they will need to clearly set out the time frame for any appeal and who that appeal can be sent to. What are the risks if the employer does not follow the correct procedure? One of the risks of not following the process correctly is that an employee can bring a claim for unfair dismissal. In order to mitigate that risk, an employer will have to demonstrate that they followed the process fairly and the reason for dismissal is fair in all the circumstances. There are, however, other risks which are associated with a capability management process. One of the most common issues we hear is that when confronted with a capability process, employees will reveal that they suffer from a medical condition which has contributed to their poor performance. Care must be taken at that stage to mitigate any risk that the employee may bring a claim for disability discrimination. And so at that stage, we would recommend employers consider whether referring to occupational health would be appropriate and whether any reasonable adjustments could be made in order to improve the employee's performance. A final concern is that an employee could bring a claim for constructive dismissal should they resign during the process. If this occurs, the employer will need to have ensured that the process undertaken was fair and that the performance concerns were reasonable in order to safeguard their position. So instead of going through the performance improvement procedure, would there be any other options that you could follow with the employee? Yes, an employer might wish to consider opening settlement negotiations with an employee who's about to go through or has already gone through a performance management process. Of course, if an employer does go down that route, negotiations should be done on a protected or without prejudice basis if the employer wishes the discussions to be confidential, off the record and inadmissible in any future legal proceedings. Thank you, Alex. That was very interesting. Thanks, Nicola. Just important to note that everything we've discussed in this podcast is accurate as at the 8th of December 2021. In the next episode of All in a Day's Work series, we will be looking at absence management. That episode will cover employee absence from work. We will be looking at employees' absences both from the perspective of an employer and an employee. And we will be offering you practical tips on managing absences, updating policies and consideration of when occupational health involvement might be recommended. If you would like any further information about the employment team or any other services offered by Herrington Carmichael, then please do visit our website. Goodbye.